Welcome to Rolling Bones, the osteopathic podcast. I'm Dr. James here with Dr. Dante. We're going to talk again about your body, about your health, and how to fix things. And uh, I promise this episode, following up on the last episode, is not going to be so biochemistry heavy as, as we were the last time. I mean, I'll admit, I kind of like my biochem. It was my best subject in med school. I can tell. I yeah, can tell. I, I love this and stuff. And that's good. That's yeah, good. It actually matters. Go fig. Doctors need to know chemistry. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. It's a, the struggle is real. Indeed. The struggle is real. And we are going back now to the struggle. And you may have noticed that we talked about struggle with the last episode from a chemistry standpoint. We introduced the uh, metaphor of the tug of war between systems, the mTOR and AMPK, pulling back and forth against each other. But we also threw in some economics. We threw in a little bit of... Um it was a really mixed metaphor, but ultimately it you was. got the point. You need to suffer in order to make good things happen. That's what we're saying here. And hopefully you didn't suffer through the episode too much. <laughs> right. But, but let's let's put some context as to why this matters. Um, sure. Let's back yeah, up let's real far outside outside of even medicine, per se. 50,000 foot view. Exactly. Our healthcare system sucks. Yes. Uh, and uh, the current uh, pandemic has highlighted some of the failings of the uh, current system. Correct. Or the weaknesses, not necessarily failings per se, but definite weaknesses. Absolutely. Now, that's not to say that our healthcare system is not effective at doing its theoretically intended purpose. Yeah, can... it, it definitely helps people who have suffered from trauma to right. save their lives. Uh, women who are bearing children are living through it, and the children are living uh, through the childbearing episodes who struggle at a much higher rate than they used to. Exactly. Sure. Like. Once upon a time, getting pneumonia was a death sentence. Yep. And now it's like, oh man, I got pneumonia. Doc, can I have a Z-Pack? Don't actually get a Z-Pack for this. That's not the move. But <laughs> Especially not the current. If you take nothing else from this show, please stop asking your doctors for Z-Packs. Anyway, the healthcare is pretty decent. Like, honestly, our healthcare is almost magical. Like, if you lose a limb at war, we can build you a robot arm like Edward Elric out of Full Metal Alchemist. Right. Minus the blade part, unless you're really fancy. We have the technology. Fancy. We have the technology. You know, when I first worked here, I was actually really thinking I was going to do the equivalent of automail. I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, that's dope stuff. But the healthcare is amazing. The healthcare system, the delivery mechanism is really where the issue is. Because, yeah. let's be honest, if... The, the healthcare system, in America at least, is something not too dissimilar from a black hole. And they're really cool <laughs> hence, to look at. Hence, it sucks. Right, right. You can, <laughs> you can look at it. It looks pretty cool. You can't see anything inside it because nobody knows what the heck is going on. And you can't escape it once you're in the toe. If you dance around it just right, it can propel you into a different galaxy, which is pretty cool. Interstellar was a great movie. I just watched uh, Disney's Black Hole. Do you remember that movie? Nice. Yeah, back in the day. But if you get too close to that black hole, man... You get into this weird spot where you're stuck and you struggle as much as you can in order to make escape velocity, but you never will because it's, you know, it's a black hole. Yeah, right. And then right. eventually you fatigue, the parts fail, the Red Queen gets you and you start to cross over until you pass the event horizon and all of a sudden it's uh, Lewis Carroll. Into, you're crushed into oblivion. Exactly. <laughs> Please do not fall into our medical system. We like you guys. You guys listen to our show. You make us feel good about ourselves. You don't pay us, but whatever. This is a labor of love. Please don't fall into the black hole. <laughs> don't let yourself get sucked in. Right. But the reason we're saying this is because the reason we're talking about these healing mechanisms, the premise of this podcast, in all seriousness, is to explore the body's ability for self-healing, self-regulation. Really what we're trying to do is to make you not need us as much as humanly possible. Not a great business model for us, but a great patient model for you. And we are also podcast hosts, so maybe one day they can kind of... Oh, this is true. 
eventually get on Patreon or something. There you go. <laughs> but there's this idea that if we can make you not need us, that is the highest level of our particular like skill set, right? It's one thing to uh, chop off the head of the Hydra. It's another thing to stab the Hydra in the heart. Because like, you chop off the head, it just comes back. Exactly. Like, remember Hercules, when he chopped off the Hydra, he's like, Phil, I did it. And then he gets eaten. Yeah, right. And that sucked. And the only way he <laughs> beat it was to get so deep into the Hydra that he was able to cut out its heart. And then all of a sudden, there's green goo everywhere and, you know, and, Hades. Yeah, yeah. All, all over the place. All over the place. Mm. <laughs> so we're, what we're trying to do is give you tools. To be like Hercules? To be like Hercules. Well, Maybe. Maybe. But at least make you not need to go to the doctor quite so much. And that'll save you time, it'll save you frustration, and it'll save you money. Exactly. And it might just prolong your life a little bit. So for reasons that we're not going to dive into in full detail, um, the human system seems to require, at the level of its biochemistry, which as far as uh, we're concerned is like source code here, it's the, it's the design of the product, we need struggle. Um, we need that in various forms. We need that in various intensities and doses, not because it's just arbitrarily nice to suffer, but because without some degree of struggling, our system doesn't activate the systems it needs in order to run maintenance. And right. without those maintenance systems, we accumulate various sorts of cellular damage, free radical. It's theoretically the model of aging and the model of how things fail. Yeah, our, our body is interesting. It doesn't have a mechanism. It doesn't have a mom. You know, if mom walks through the house and sees a bunch of stuff on the floor, she's like, Go pick up the, pick up your junk, right? But we don't have a mechanism like that that's just always on the on the lookout for junk. Exactly. It's more like we're more like a forest than we are a child at this point. And I mm -hmm. say that because um, so I'm from the Northeast, right. and we have forests in the Northeast as opposed to deep in the heart of desert Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and Grasslands, prairies here in Texas. There you go. It, it doesn't count as grass, man. <laughs> Y'all don't know no. grass. No. <laughs> but Get off your grass. There you go. <laughs> Somewhere in the Northeast, there's a lot of forests. And what ends up happening is those forests actually need fire. And it's really cool because right. what happens is there are certain trees out there that will only thrive if a purging fire occurs first. What does that mean? In the context of these specific trees, in order for them to shed their seeds so that they can reproduce, they need something to burn out the underbrush. At the same time, they'll only actually release their seeds if the fire occurs. More importantly, if the underbrush accumulates too far, there'll be so much junk in the soil right. that it'll starve out the nutrients and this giant big old tree that needs a Just ton of resources gets diluted, out. right? Well, and, and some pine trees in particular, their pine cones won't even open unless exposed to the high heat of fire. Exactly. To release those seeds. So, uh, it, it's a great metaphor for the body because without fire burning out that underbrush, you don't have new life. Right. And the underbrush in this context is the broken cellular machinery, the things that have been damaged by free radicals. Time and wear and tear in our body manifest in the form of broken machinery, broken mm -hmm. proteins, damaged proteins that don't do their job. If they're no longer doing their job, that means they cannot perform their metabolic processes, which makes us less efficient, makes us more prone to injury. In the worst case, it actually makes us prone to cancer because let's say, God forbid, our DNA glitches out and nothing tells us to stop that bad DNA from doing its job. Now that proliferates bad proteins, the bad proteins end up reproducing and this and the other thing and, and all of a sudden- the bad cells keep right. on reproducing because we're not clearing out the bad cells that are reproducing themselves. Right, it becomes Akira all over again. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. It's, it's radioactive. <laughs> In case you've never seen this, at some point, sit yourselves down, go watch Akira. It was amazing um, anime, even better manga if ever you get the time for it. 
you'll understand what I'm saying if you if you if you have seen it before. But <laughs> Go t- see it. tumors are bad. Tumors that's are the, bad. That's the thesis here. It tumors are tumor. bad. But yeah, in order to purge out the malfunctioning machinery before it causes a problem, we need the human body's equivalent of fire. And for us, that fire isn't actually fire. Side note, please do not light yourselves on fire. It's <laughs> struggle. It's stress. So we are going to talk about what you can try out at home. Lighting yourself on fire is not one of those things to try out at home. Correct. But it, it will turn up the heat, if nothing else. I would hope so. I would hope so. So the idea is, in order to adapt well, the body needs a balance of both the mTOR, that's the feasting systems, and AMPK, the fasting systems. You right. need times of plenty to balance out the times of famine and vice versa. Because if you do nothing but hang out like an ascetic monk, I mean, you get a longevity buff, good for you, but your strength stat is going to take a, take a hit, man. Well, you're, usually if you're uh, hanging out as a monk like that, you're not uh, feasting exactly so much. So you don't, get a, you don't go through that uh, time of plenty. You're just going through a time of... Uh, right, forced asceticism. Famine all the time. Right, which has benefits. Like There's, there's, a, ment- there's a spiritual uh, aspect to that. But we're not talking about that per se yet, at least. We're talking about how to maintain an optimal physiologic system. You fuel up, you consolidate, you build, you consolidate back and forth. If you do nothing but build, there's this one disease actually out there that that uh, models this really well. Remember Paget's disease back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. one for the bone, not the one for yeah. the nipple. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. There was this guy, Dr. Paget. He named a thousand different things Paget's disease, and it got really confusing because it's like Paget's disease. Great. Of the which one? Which which Paget are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. But one of the Paget's diseases, the ones of the bone, is where your osteoblast, that's a little worker inside your body that lays down bone, does nothing but lays down bone over and over and all over the place. Doesn't stop. Yeah, there's Just no organization. Stop. Yeah. Just yeah. laying brick for no reason. And uh, that leads to bones that are fragile and uh, fracture easily. Right, because it turns out, and this is the metaphor to take away, the negative space matters just as much as the positive. Like, what, uh, the thing with the vase? It's not mm-hmm. the vase that's important. It's the space inside the vase, the empty space that makes it useful, space right? Space vase. Right, space vase. Well, and, and the, we call this type of bone trabecular bone, where you have a web work of bone rather than a solid bone. It gives the bone both flexibility and stability, allows things to move in such a way that uh, you're not going to uh, uh, be at high risk of fracture. Exactly. Because it distributes the, the load that the bone is bearing across a wide surface area, and thus sharing the load right. all over the place. And the way we do that is we build a bone with one aspect of our system, and we break down bone with the other aspect, the parts right. of the bone we break down are necessary to allow that trabecular meshwork to, to exist. Otherwise, we'd end up with, quite literally, there's actually no metaphor here, chalk. It would, it would be terrible. And, you know, the, the, the other interesting aspect of this, this process is not only does it give us bones that are flexible and able to withstand all sorts of forces, whether they be shearing torsional forces, uh, flexion forces and whatnot, but it also provides our muscles with the calcium that they need to function appropriately. Right. And calcium has many functions across the body in signaling and other aspects. We need that calcium to be floating in our blood as well as lodged in our bone. Exactly. Our nerves need calcium. But the reason I bring that up is we're really good at the f- at the feasting phase because, let's be honest, this is America. We're really good at the feast phase. Oh, we've seen so much food uh, actually gotten rid of lately, and we're still feasting, relatively speaking, compared to other locations. We've become very 
efficient at it. Exactly. We are one Elon Musk away from being B and L from Wally. <laughs> oh, now we're using Elon Musk as a unit of measurement. <laughs> I mean, the dude is practically Iron Man. This is true. I expect him to announce that as at his next uh, his next. Uh, 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 publicity is that. We'll, we'll uh, see what happens on Joe Rogan. Maybe he'll just <laughs> lift up his shirt and you'll see like a little I pod right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, there's, there's something to that. We're really good at the feasting phase and we are a little deficient in the famine phase. Well, we need to institute famines differently. Now, we, we don't want to go dust ball, bowl on the United States like happened in the, the 20s. And uh, we, we did go into a severe famine there. Uh, but rather, we're going to talk about how you can take the intermittent lifestyle and use it as a tool to introduce all sorts of different types of famine in, an, in addition to feasting cycles. Right. If, if we need to sum up the idea for, for this whole exploration, it's uh, there was this one really angry guy back in Germany, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, and he essentially championed yeah. this idea that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's essentially the premise of Dragon Ball Z out there. And but I think there's a song that sings that too. Um, is that is that Katy Perry? Uh, probably. It's one of the pop stars, man. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. It was yes. Kelly Clarkson. There you go. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I can hear the melody right now. Oh, man. God too help many, me. Too many CrossFit wads to that song. Really? Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. If you're not lifting to metal, then are you really lifting? No. Well, if you're lifting metal, you better be lifting to metal. There you go. So... <laughs> The idea is, where are we going with this? Right, <laughs> Nietzsche. Nietzsche. So the idea is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And a lot of the way our systems are designed right now don't really acknowledge that. They're actually designed to keep you as comfortable and as blissful as possible. Uh, jumping from Germany, let's go Russian real quick. There's this guy, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote about um, uh, letters from the underground. There's this one uh, passage. I'm not going to do the whole quote here because one, Russian's hard, and two, he writes like a Russian novelist, which means this quote is going to last the rest of the episode if I do it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave the, yeah, leave most of that out. But. He makes Dickens look like spark notes. <laughs> which is interesting because Dickens was very descriptive. <laughs> a whole page on a fly in a courtroom, man. <laughs> but That was an interesting fly, though. It was, you know, until it didn't matter for the entire book. Now, was he like Dickens and got paid by the word? I have no idea. Because Dickens got paid by the word. I actually have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> I just know this, is go this guy wrote some heavy stuff, man. He yeah. was practically a psychologist in literary form. But there was this idea that, um, imagine, if you will, a subtype of human where what they do is they engineer such perfect bubbles of bliss that all we would have to do is content ourselves with eating cakes and the continuation of our species, which is a very eloquent way of saying getting it on. So you're saying Wally was basically a Pixar version of Dostoevsky? Da. <laughs> so that's heavy, man. There you go. To quote Marty McFly. But the idea was, if you give us such bubbles of bliss, man will not be able to help himself, but to introduce a little bit of chaos into the idea. If you give man that much order then something like a little bit of insanity will be thrown into the mix purely just to watch something happen because we're kind of a sloppy species. We're not good at being machines. He used the word piano key, but this is time before computers. I'm going to say computer. We're not quite robots, man. No. Although Cylons are. Anyway, we're uh, not we're, quite we're, robots, we're not man. Going, we're not going, start, going Battlestar Galactica on it. But I really want to. I know. So if you give us that much bliss, then we will break it 
just because we have to break it because that's what humans do we break things we break stuff and if you try to make us not break things what will end up happening is we'll break apart ourselves in his book he was talking about the insanity that follows with such pathological order but in our systems if we're talking about the metaphors between chaos and order if we do nothing but build and build and build and have nothing but feast and feast and feast at some point at the level of our biochemistry just like the woods that never went on fire we forget how to be human we forget how to be I mean that in the sense of if we do not go through this famine periods we're gonna die early and we're gonna die weak for it right you think about it from a sociological standpoint or from a societal standpoint if you continue to build a city and expand and expand and expand without considering what you're expanding into eventually the city becomes so big that it can't support itself any longer exactly um, and then it collapses under its own weight if it's not managed well or it becomes two cities or it becomes two cities there's a reason why cells divide guys <laughs> yeah uh, we don't want them to become unwieldy structures now what does that mean for the human because the metaphors are important because look we're trying to sum up very complex large amounts of biochemistry into something vaguely this, yeah yeah, yeah. But if in order to make this go live in the human system, we need struggle. What kind of struggle specifically? We need to be able to hold back on, on food, which is hard. Let's, let's be honest. We were raised to eat, what, three meals a day plus yeah. a snack? A snack between each meal and then maybe a little bit of something for dessert about 10 o'clock at night. You know? Right. And then with, um, so I have a lot of friends in the school systems. They teach for the various like ISDs around here. Right. And they, they are required to feed the kids. It's the difference between saying, hey, you're hungry, go eat something, but breakfast, lunch, dinner, plus the snack at about 9.30, plus another snack when they get home, plus they're probably gonna you know eat something while, I don't know, watching Netflix or whatever at home as well. Or watching YouTube or just messing around on the computer. Right, there was this really cool literature that evolved that showed that the average amount of meals the American is eating in the 1970s and 80s was something like maybe three at most four. And now it's up to eight or nine. Yeah, I, I think we were eating on on average eighteen hundred to, to two thousand calories, and now we're uh, twenty five hundred to three thousand calories on average per person. I mean, B and L does make cake in a cup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There you go. <laughs> Try cake in a cup. Try red. It's the new blue. Oh. This movie plays nonstop in my house, by the way. It has nothing to do with our interests. My kid just loves Wally. <laughs> like, he'll walk up to me and go, Daddy, want Wally? And I'm like, Fine, this is like the seventh time. Fine. fine. Just put it on auto replay. Auto. <laughs> Jesus, man. But, well, but that's the idea, right? We need to be able to recondition ourselves to go, You know what? I don't actually need to eat the cake in a cup all day, every day. Maybe a little bit of selective time away from the food is a big deal. The other side is maybe floating around in my little hover chair isn't that good for me. Maybe I do need to actually load my tissues. Maybe I need to stand up and walk. You know, one of the things that I've done uh, as a modification at work, uh, we work on the sixth floor of our building in, in, on some days. And so I've decided to take the stairs every time I go to work. And so I go up and down the stairs at least twice because I go down the stairs for lunch and then come back up. And uh, another modification I've made is I don't pay for parking, which, you know, it makes my paycheck go a little bit farther, but it also means I have to park between a half a mile to three quarter miles away. And, and our busy clinical schedule is not always ideal to get in a two and a half, three mile run every day, but I can walk right. a mile and a half or two miles 
as part of my daily schedule. And notice, look, we're talking about food and we're talking about exercise, but not once did we mention weight loss, did we? No. And there, there's a message there. Exercising, training, I should say, and trying to diet in order to lose weight, it's, it's almost like trying to get so rich that you can buy your own airline to make your own airplane so that you can get some peanuts. Or nobody gets peanuts. It's those little weird cookie things, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to buy an airline so you can have a plane so you can get some cookies. It's You're missing out on so much if you focus on the cookie when you could be flying across the world, right? Um, but I want the cookie. I like the I cookie. I mean, you can just buy the damn cookie then. But the thing is, exercise and diet, the lifestyle stuff, right? Every doc has been trained to say, yeah, what's the cure for diabetes? Lifestyle, di lifestyle diet, exercise. Cool. What's the cure for heart disease? Same damn thing. But... We don't do a really good job selling that to people. And I think that's a disservice, not necessarily purely on our end, a part of it's how we're trained, right? How often do we really dive into the nitty gritty of what these systems are capable of? It's one thing to say that, hey, if you diet, you'll lose some weight. It's another thing to say that, hey, if you diet, you'll have, like that's not a treating a disease, that's an upgrade to the system. And how far you upgrade's a big deal, but now here's the issue. That means you need to know what you want to upgrade into. So why are you trying to grow? Here's a fun fact. Once upon a time, the American military was training its paratroopers to jump and land off of two-story heights. The reason for this was because our parachutes were so ineffective that the load transfer from the ground to the legs was such that these guys basically needed to be able to handle a two-story jump anyway. The cool thing is, the way they landed, it couldn't just be a direct fall like something uh, out of Dragon Ball Z. What they would have to do is learn how to tuck and roll on impact so that they wouldn't shatter their parts. Oddly enough, fast forward, what, 60, 70 years, now we have parkour, the technique that they use now in order to jump from such insane heights and then not break themselves is the same technique that our paratroopers once upon a time had to engineer. Once upon a time, Americans accidentally invented parkour, at least a little bit of it. Now, talking about cookies and airplanes and all this kind of stuff, I think part of the f issue that we're facing is for the last century, physicians at least have convinced the public that there's a pill to fix their problems. If you've got high blood pressure, there's a pill for that. If you have diabetes, there's a pill for that. If you have depression, there's a pill for that. And so we've trained our patients to think that when they come into the doctor, they're going to get a pill for whatever they're coming in for. And so when you sit down with your patients and say, you know what, we're not going to do a pill today. We're going to do something better. We're going to talk about things that you can do to change what your body is doing and it's going to heal. You get some pushback. You get patients looking at you. I've, I've had patients say, I have never gone to the doctor that hasn't given me anything. Right. And to, to, their cre to my patient's credit, at least, a lot of the times it's not even because, because I don't want to set up this weird dichotomy where it's, oh man, those stinking patients, man, they don't know they could have it better than they have it. Right. It's not that. It's And it's look, not to say that the pills don't have their place. They absolutely do. Right. It's the idea that if you didn't know it was out there, right, that was the whole conversation from before. If you didn't know that there was the opportunity for more, how would you ever think to desire it, right? 
if, um, if you were raised to think that diabetes is a terminal illness and you're going to need to be on metformin until you need to be on insulin, and then when insulin doesn't work, we just need to give you more insulin. By the way, I hope your kidneys don't die. Right. And you just kind of surrender to that. Why would you fight that, right? If you genuinely believe that that's what life is going to be from your 30s on, it's actually yeah. a psychologically appropriate move to surrender to your disease, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just believing that it's only in your genetics, you're fated to go that way, and there's nothing you can do to fix it. Right. But as I said before, I like to quote Young very much. If you didn't, if you take the unknown and make it known, it's no longer fate. It's something you have power over. Right. And what it we're saying here is right. You have a lot more. And I'm saying this directly to the person who has the earbuds between their skull parts right now. You have a lot more power than you might be aware of in how to take control of your health. You don't need us as much as typical media would make you think so. And it's not because of any sort of conspiracy. It's because the solutions are genuinely difficult and it's hard to market a difficult thing, right? I'm actively telling you, he's actively telling you not to use us. Right. That's weird. Well, we're going to the point where we're marketing some very difficult ideas. For example, you're going to have to struggle. Right. You're going to have to strain. And there's going to be famine. And there's going to be stress. That and doesn't sound fun, man. That, that's not fun. Not fun. But what's also not fun is losing a foot right. to diabetes or losing kidneys or eyesight or eventually your life when you're 60 right to some chronic illness and even then let's let's pretend for a second because look a portion of folks will have the bad outcomes but at the population level the vast majority of patients on the standard pharmacologic therapy will do well they but do but for the ones who do poorly that's the outcome but for the ones who do well think about this now now because of the diabetes you're dependent on the diagnosis and the prescriptions of another physician of a person of another human in order to maintain your life, if your life is dependent on di on insulin medicine, right? If you need insulin, and if the doc doesn't want to prescribe insulin, you're screwed. That that's a weird place to be. Or you can't afford it because it's too expensive. Right. Like, uh, what was it? Just recently, there was a press release about uh, one of the one of the pharmaceutical companies capping insulin at thirty five dollars, and back before that, it was seven hundred and something per vial. Yeah. Yeah. Think about being dependent on a f on a company to make a medicine that needs to be prescribed by a doctor for you to get access to just so you can make it to tomorrow. That's a very unsettling way to live. And have we made it clear there's, we're taxing you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a certain... You all hear what he's saying? Right. There's a certain <laughs> un-Americanness to being that dependent. It's not free anymore. You're not free. You're shackled. You're chained. And you might be good in that. But at some point, look, man, what we're trying to teach you to do is break the chains. We're, we're trying to teach you to be your own medicine. I mean, think about what... The, the number one medication for diabetes and metformin is metformin. What does metformin do? Fun fact. So metformin, I'm going to skip a lot of the technical details because, look, man, we can get real technical real fast. Ultimately, metformin is something like a biologic simulator of the AMPK system that we've been talking about this entire time. Ding, 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 ding. And it's kind of cool. Wow, I can take a pill that simulates a little bit of exercise. But notice that simulates a little bit of exercise not the full oh, effect always imitated but never duplicated right right you can't um it gives you some of the metabolic effects like it'll recycle the system right however it won't tell you what to do with the recycled parts it's like saying all right cool man we got all these materials we've harvested all these minerals we got all the vespine gas now what i don't know take a nap 
<laughs> no, we got Zerg to fight. No, we still got stuff to do. Or I guess Terrans, because Zerg are cooler. But well, Starcraft yeah. is a great game. <laughs> it is. It is. But you need direction, and Metformin, even though it does a genuinely good job, especially at the higher doses, it does an excellent job. It was a miracle drug in its time, and it still is. You know, it was made as an antiviral back in the day. I had no idea. It was actually designed as an antiviral. It was kind of as an antiviral, but the thing it was supposed to do to help you kill viruses, because viruses are foreign particles in your body, right? happens to also take away the things that make you more insulin resistant. So all of a sudden, the antiviral medicine becomes a diabetes med. Perfect. It was pretty cool. Kind of like how Viagra was a blood pressure pill, and then we found out that it makes people really happy for completely unrelated reasons. <laughs> and that is true as well, and it's become very uh, popular for that. Indeed. Um, but the idea is... Sorry, I got distracted by Viagra. By Viagra. There was a movie with Anne Hathaway. It was amazing. Um, I completely lost my train of thought there. Well, we're, we're talking about how metformin is kind of like the AMPK. Yes, there you go. But the beauty of our body is we can make our body act like it's getting metformin without giving it metformin. And more importantly, uh, that's what I was getting at. The metformin tells you to recycle and to consolidate, but it never tells you what to consolidate it into. For that, you need an outside stimulus. You need a direction in, in a very technical sense, right? If I simulate the systems to boot you up to uh, for exercise, but you never train, you never adapt to anything because you don't have anything to adapt to, right? It's like saying, I need you to prepare to, and just ending the sentence right there. <laughs> You're going to write a... Right. You hurry up and wait. And for those who've been in that environment before... That makes you anxious beyond anxious. <sighs> hurry up and wait sucks, man. <laughs> wait broke the wagon down. Right? You need direction. <laughs> and hey, guess what? You need direction, which means you need to move. There's a metaphor that's not really a metaphor here. You need movement. Movement is life, as we like to say. Right. So what we're saying here is, if we're trying to tell you to exercise for the sake of your diabetes and all that good stuff, it's it's fine, I guess. But health isn't the priority here, because let's be honest, nobody actually cares about their health. That's a big deal here, and it's weird for a doctor to say that. But I mean this at the most technical level, as in your limbic system, the part of your brain that's wired to uh, understand and perceive emotions, to generate emotions. We can understand what's in front of us. We can understand the here and now. Our system, our wiring, is not designed well for predictive modeling. It's not designed well for statistical analysis. What that means is... Yeah, we've seen that uh, as of late. Exactly. Insurance <laughs> is not fun for anybody, is what I'm saying. No, it's not. And you don't want to be dealing with it if you don't have to. Right. And investing in your health, because let's be honest, if you're going to train, if you're going to exercise, if you're going to diet, that's an investment. What are you investing in your health? Investing your health activates all the same lovely dopaminergic systems in your body as buying life insurance. And when's the last time you got really amped up to say, man, I'm going to spend $45 a, a month so I can get whatever money back in case I die. Or so my family can get money back when I die because I'm not going to benefit from that money. Exactly. Doesn't that make you really excited? <laughs> you really want to buy some life insurance now, don't you? No. Yeah. Yeah. Please. But exercise and diet, we, we've done the same thing. We've taught people how to pursue the lifestyle maneuvers as if they're buying health insurance through struggle. And if you're telling me that I'm going to put all this hard work into something and the benefit I'm going to get is the lack of a perception, that is... Remember the guy, the, um, the, uh, the the clear eyes for dry guys guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about that snoozeworthy. Oh, well, it, it, it really doesn't elicit a uh, dopaminergic response. Ben Stein, that's what it was. Ben Stein, yeah, oh, yeah. And we've seen this look on the patient's face when we say, oh, we're going to talk about exercise. And they look at you like, I'm, Where's ready, my copay? To leave. I'm ready to leave right now. Exactly. We'll find another doctor. But then that means that the, the impetus, right? The, the responsibility is on us to do better. 
because right. if we if we're saying right now that telling our patients to train for the sake of health insurance is sterile and benign that means that we need to have an honest and real answer for what they got to train for then because look man telling people that if you don't do this you're going to lose your foot is one thing but that just again and, that, and tells that doesn't you what's work what's, that just antagonizes people right what do you mean you can't tell me to do this right because remember fear is a very important and very very interesting emotion in the human system fear tells you to get away that's a good thing because you need to get the hell away from whatever the bad is yeah whatever that saber-toothed tiger is doing you want to be away from it right but it tells you no nothing about where to go for example let's flash back all the way to puberty oh let's play with this idea yeah that's anxiety written right there you felt it <laughs> now i want you to imagine some sort of some sort of something Okay? And I mean that because it can be anything at this point. That is desirable, something you want, right? Like a, like a donut. Or if, we're, if you listen oh, to the last episode, yeah, apparently yeah. I'm craving liver right now. But Liver donuts. Liver donuts. There oh, you go. Not, we're not going there. That is very aversive. Let's not go with that one. You know the, you know the pink donuts from The Simpsons with the sprinkles? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so imagine one of those okay. or a box of those, right? Okay. Your pink eyes donuts. see that, your nose pick up that scent, and you go, you know what? I want that in my mouth. I want it right now. Right. All 12 of them. Exactly. You activate all these systems in your body that produce the drive and the mechanical output to make you pursue the thing, put it in your mouth and go, ah, donuts. On the other hand, you have systems that are designed to make you go, I don't want to go anywhere near that. For example, um, did you know that in Australia there's a spider that's as big as a trash can? Yeah. 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 I've seen the, the cane spiders in, in Hawaii. They're as big as my hand, and I've got a pretty de decent-sized hand. Exactly. You know what I'm going to do if that shows up in my house? Uh, go the other way. Kill it with fire. <laughs> I'm going to get the hell out of there and kill it with fire. <laughs> Probably burn the damn house down. <laughs> That's a lighter and a hairspray bottle. Exactly. Don't ever do that, by the way. But if you want to see how it plays out, YouTube is your friend. <laughs> Don't do this at home. Just watch YouTube. Exactly. Watch other people do this in their homes. Yes. Watch the trained professionals. Right. But there's that very aversive stimuli. You see that spider that's as big as your face and go nope and then you nope it the hell out of there as hard as you can because that nope rope is going to just no and then what happens <laughs> nope is rope. i like that thank you <laughs> but notice that's not very coordinated it tells you not to be there but it doesn't tell you where to be versus yeah, that's the, why you end up tripping over yourself trying to get away exactly you ever see that episode of scooby-doo where all of them where shaggy and scooby like do the weird like the leg thing exactly yeah, the, the leg, leg thing. thing and then they all trip all over each other and fall into a huge pile exactly the reason i'm bringing all this up is Something you want, something that's good, makes you pursue it, targeted, directed. You go beeline right towards a, it. Uh, a goal. But something that's frightening just tells you to get away. And telling you, telling somebody that, hey, if you don't do this, all that's going to happen is, you know, heart failure, diabetes, amputation. By the way, it's going to happen 20 years from now when you can't even feel it. It's going to be boring at worst and terrifying at best. And you're just going to kind of put them into a weird. You ever play World of Warcraft? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know how warlocks have that terror skill? Yeah, yeah. And you use terror. You notice you lose complete control of the character? They don't run away. They just run in circles and until the buff. can't do anything. Exactly. That's, that's the best case scenario. <laughs> well, and and the, the crazy thing is if you, you say, well, this is scary. Well, I'm going to replace that scary thing with something else. That may or may not be as scary. You just don't realize it. So, well, I'm going to get rid of this donut for breakfast. And I'm going to go to that bran muffin, not realizing that bran muffin is every bit as bad from a metabolic standpoint. It's a tarantula in disguise. It is. A tarantula in sheep's clothing. There you go. Oh, nasty. Everyone, avoid the bran muffins. <laughs> but the reason we say this is um, humans, 
honestly, humans need a reason to not and a reason to do. Right. So the reason to not is very clear. Nobody wants to die early. Nobody wants to lose their foot unless they're really into that. But in that case, that's too much anime. Back to Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Look, man, those characters yeah. are dope. Well, and they make for really great metaphors. Honestly. Do you know that apparently in Japan, losing your left arm is a visual metaphor for failing a responsibility to a loved one? I had no idea, but I know now. That's why he lost that specific arm. It was because not only did he fail and had to pay a cost in alchemy, he actually had to... They needed to visually represent that he failed as a brother. Oh, so off goes the left arm. Right. They did the same thing with uh, Princess Mononoke, if you look at Ashitaka. Mm. If it wasn't clear that I watch anime by now, if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> same thing. When he got cursed by the boar, um, his left arm was what bore the curse because he failed as his duty in his duties. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. You know, it's always the left arm. It's not always because, yeah. It's not because it's evil. That's an American thing. Oh, that's a Europe. It's a Western thing. It's because that left arm in that culture symbolizes failure if it's cursed okay. in such a way okay all this to say you don't want to be cursed by a boar <laughs> don't lose your arm and you don't want to be a boar either exactly unless i don't know i kind of want to be a boar sometimes <laughs> but you want to be a bit boorish a little bit just just enough just, to flip a truck with my tusks yeah <laughs> you could clear the savannah after every meal i'm a sensitive soul but you think oh, you seem thick, uh, thick skinned there you go <laughs> but you need something to run away from, but you need something to pursue. And we're really good at framing the bad, and we, we're just terrible at framing the good. But there's really good out there. For there example, um, the reason I train, right? Like, uh, if, um, if you looked at my training habit and really broke it down, you would think I was insane. Because, look, the bare, the bare minimum metabolic requirement in order to maintain and avoid heart disease is, what, it's 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise? A week. A yeah. week at moderate intensity. If you go intense, which, by the way, means more than, you know, just enough that you're breaking a sweat. Intense is not that intense, by the way. Yeah. Uh, technically speaking, you only need just, 75. Just strong enough that uh, you can't talk very clearly while you're doing it. Exactly. So for an hour of exercise a day, um, an hour of exercise a week, and maybe a little bit of strength training, you fulfill the metabolic requirement for you to not break down. Meanwhile, I train about an hour a day. Right. And I'm, pr I'm pretty, pretty damn gassed by the end of most of my training sessions. And if you look at it from a purely uh, cardiometabolic perspective, what I'm doing has crossed the point of diminishing returns. It is no longer productive. No, not from a um, prolonging life standpoint. Correct. But it does make it so that you can do certain things that you want to do that are not necessarily related to the workout itself. Exactly. Like, uh, for those who don't know, I, I teach a Filipino martial arts school, and I've been doing that longer than I've been a physician, actually. And uh, I, take, I take my personal protection and my family very seriously. So the reason I train, and I say this to my students, and this is kind of like how I know I'll get along with my students when they're signing on. The reason I train is so that in case... Uh, there's an acronym out there, SHTF. I try not to swear too much on this episode, so <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. If things go south side real fast, mm -hmm. I want to be as capable as I can be to protect my wife and kid. It's about as simple as that. The scenario right. in my head, like the nightmare, uh, what happens is I envision a nightmare scenario, like the worst possible thing I could imagine in re reasonable life. Like World War Z, kind of. There you go. And I train to handle that situation. doesn't matter if I get there or not, but the pursuit of that is what's uh, driving. So for me, in mundane, like not zombie life, it's if I'm if I'm in the bottom, if I'm in a basement, okay, mm -hmm. and the house is on fire, 
and my wife is downed, I need to be able to carry her and my kid out up a stairwell. Get, get out to safety. Right, outside the house through a fire. I need to be strong enough to load her weight onto mine and operate through hypoxia and maintain stable state of mind. I train for that eventuality. Hopefully it never happens. I hope it never happens. Honestly, that doesn't sound fun. And if my house no. burns down, there goes my house. Right. But as long as you're able to make it out, exactly. you, still, you, can, you can replace the house, right? Right. Can't replace you. Exactly. And because that's what I train for, that's why I need to like, I need to be able to squat at least 300 pounds. I need to be able to deadlift 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to run a kettlebell the way I do. For me, the goal is I need to be able to do 24... I need to be able to do 124 kilogram snatches in five minutes. Otherwise, I'm not bare minimum threshold for fit by my definition. Right. But notice that's my definition. Well, and that does differ from my definition. In my case, uh, I want to be able to, as my kids get older, take them out into the wilderness and do hiking, fishing, camping, and whatnot, and to be able to do that reliably. Right. Um, I, my wife and I were married for nearly 10 years before we had our first kiddo, so we're a little bit older than... Uh, average for our age group uh, for uh, for our kids and we've got five kids so um, they're just getting to the age where they're wanting to go out and do things and you know if I don't maintain my physical fitness I'm not gonna be able to spend time meaningful time with my kids doing what we want to do as a family right and I only have one kid and he's running circles around me because he's my kid of all kids <laughs> right and he's insane dude we went to a, he's got more cells than you do I know we went to Oklahoma the other day and we went uh, into this like uh, this little river valley thing, waterfall area. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes into the water for the first time with his floaties and he sees a big rock in the bottom. And I'm thinking, all right, my kid likes rocks. He's going to try to pick it up. Nothing's going to happen. Tell you what, he does a kettlebell swing with the rock like he's, <laughs> like he's me because he's seen me do it a thousand seen times. Dad do it, yeah. And he flings it into the air. My kid is two and a half, not even. He flings this little rock high enough into the air that I'm going, oh, God, he's going to kill somebody. <laughs> and that's one kid. You have five. Yeah, yeah. And they're all doing all sorts of crazy stuff. So this guy needs to be like the parenting equivalent of like, I don't know, SEAL Team 6 or something to handle <laughs> five kids. And they all like to wrestle, too. Even my girls. Oh, man. Jump in the fray. It's, it's kind of, well, it's kind of cute. But that's, but that's the point, right? It's that's, that's where we're trying to not just get ourselves... But ultimately, when we take care of our patients, that's what we want them to be able to do, to, to be able to outline where they want to get, where right. they want to go, where do they see themselves, what do they want themselves looking like right. as a result of this, quote unquote, more air quotes, treatment. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell my patients that like, look, man, I can, I can run the ship just fine. I can keep you just the way you are. But um, I try to spark a little flame in them. I try to make them understand that if they want to, they could live for more. The thing is, that's not on us, right? I can't tell them what to live for. Your motivation structure is very different than mine. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be the same thing because at the end of the day, you train. And it's not about like, oh, by the way, give them a motivational structure so that they'll get healthy. I don't actually care about your health. Yeah. I care that you can be operational in your environment. I care that you can accomplish whatever it is you're about. And if what you're about happens to be Netflix, then maybe you don't need a high-end body. Just do the bare minimum. Please Change don't... Change you're, what you're eating yeah. but that you don't have to do some of the other stuff. Right. Sure. It's a pretty low-level mission, guys. Do better. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, look, man, humans are capable of amazing stuff. Like, remember that, you know, parkour? Oh, yeah. yeah. Humans can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that one dude, um, he's actually, uh, there's a guy, there's a video on YouTube once upon a time of this 
like uh, Islander dude. Turns out he's a, from a Filipino tribe, turns out. He takes a deep breath in with his little scuba filter, goes down into the ocean, and like walks around for 15 minutes like bow fishing <laughs> in the bottom of the ocean, then swims back up and says, I got some fish. And I'm like, what? Hold up, that's my people? <laughs> that's your people. If, it, if you didn't know, I'm Filipino. I um, know now. But like, that's the... That's how far humans can go. We can fly out of buildings with our feet and not explode our tendons. We can dive into the oceans, you know what I mean? Yeah, don't try the Captain America thing of going without a parachute, but... I thought you were going to go for the helicopter, like, uh, baseball. Well, <laughs> well, there's always that thing, too. Arm curl with a helicopter. Winter Soldier is the best Marvel movie. I rest my case. <laughs> I will not argue that. There you go. The elevator scene, man. Oh. <laughs> Captain America. Captain America is where we should end this idea on, because think about this. In a world full of superheroes, right? You have like, you have things as insane as Thanos. And what's Captain America's superpower? He was given a super serum, right? And yeah. all the serum did was maximize his ability to perform the limit of human potential. Physical conditioning. Now keep yeah. in mind, he's a fantasy character. But at the same time, that was the message there. Um, Steve Rogers, his superpower isn't anything extraordinary. He's just maxed out every human stat in the game. So our goal is to help you max out your stats, doing it in a natural way and, and getting your body to work in its optimum. And take down Hydra. That's right. And that is a great goal. Thanks again for joining us on Rolling Bones, the osteopathic podcast, where we talk about your body, your health, and how to fix things. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Rollin' Bones, the osteopathic podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rollin' Bones Pod, or shoot us an email at rollinbonespod at gmail.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N, Bones, P-O-D. Rollin' Bones is brought to you by the University of North Texas and Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine. Producer Rob Upchurch and medical advisor Dr. Saj Survey contributed to this podcast. Medicine is a constantly changing science and art with various approaches from practitioner to practitioner. This podcast presents the Rollin' Bones doctor's views of osteopathic medicine and osteopathic manipulative treatment and will be as evidence-based as possible. Comments, suggestions, or correction of errors are welcome. No money from drug or device companies is accepted. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This applies to the hosts, guests, and contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall James Aston, Dante Paredes, Saj Survey, podcast producers, the University of North Texas, Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, or any guests or contributors to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. This blog or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. This podcast is HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to make comments or requests, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission.